let's have a, a quick minute to remind ourselves where we are. We are in a place called Sorrow's, Sorrow's End. End. I am going to say the temperatures here are ranging between the mid 40s and 50s. Let's translate that for Nathan real quick. F to C. <laughs> and to Kelvin, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so that would be between 7 degrees and mm. 12 degrees, Nathan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Gosh, our temperature scales are so very different. Our story opens on a close-up of fibers. Uh, this could easily be woven cotton or perhaps linen. It is clearly not a finely woven fabric. It's a practical fabric meant to do a very simple job and be discarded. The uneven fibers interlace with an uninspired but evenly dyed decoration. They are a dark brown, a dark brown that matches a skin tone that is darkened only by spots where it appears that ink and blood in mixture have slowly absorbed through the fabric. We can see now that this fabric is laid over the chest of Captain Oromar Vale. I think the Captain May at least in part, be directing his attention down to the fabric because it feels quite strange. Unlike most bandages, this is just laid over his chest in a single layer that has stopped a remarkable amount of bleeding very efficiently and perhaps distressing. It is as though he can feel the fibers uh, as though they were his skin, that this is a new layer of skin that has been grafted onto his. He was instructed by his metaphysician and tattoo artist to leave this on for at least a week to allow the ink to set properly. He was also thanked for his story. Hmm. Uh, Ormar is mentally counting down the days and hours until he can stand in front of a full-length mirror just shirtless to bask in the fact that the tattoo is back again. He's waited, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, not that long, but it feels like it's been ages since this important part of him uh, was part of him. Uh, and uh, I, I guess we are in the captain's the captain's kind of quarters at the moment, where he wheels away from the mirror, like turns on on his heels. Uh, to address uh, Jonnet and Gable. So I have to imagine the captain is wearing like one of those romance novel co cover, like very deep V uh, uh, mm -hmm. white it's linen so shirts that's <laughs> open so you can kind of appreciate where the tattoo will be. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like when you um, <laughs> do a little patch of uh, wallpaper paint in your like kitchen and admire it every day, being like, eventually all of it is going to be mm -hmm. this sunflower. 
yellow, but for mm-hmm. now, but for now, turns around to the two of you. Okay. Uh, thank you for humoring of trying to keep up appearances while we're in public. Uh, fun for me. I, I'm over here. I was like, did I mention the Uhuru wit when I was in the, the office? I no, think I, I offhandedly think. called you Jonnet at one point, and I super <laughs> did not mean to. And hey, uh, if I get dinged for that down the line, that's my bad for <laughs> here's, forgetting Here's to the important thing to remember. Uh, in that tattoo parlor especially, you mm-hmm. were you had doctor-patient confidentiality. According mm. to the metaphysicians, they are HIPPO-compliant. So you don't mm, need to worry the hippo about that. will get them. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The hippo spirit will come for them. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. But mm-hmm. moving forward, mm-hmm. absolutely. I'm going to be looking for that. Uh, mm-hmm. So you should be looking for that too. Yeah. I may have okay. to mm-hmm. uh, hit the rewind on the script change toolbox if I catch myself slip mm. and don't mean to in character because there'll probably be times in character where I will actually intentionally give a thing away. Yes, uh, we didn't need to maintain uh, a disguise while getting our tattoos done, but I figured it would be best to practice in a safe environment where we wouldn't have our heads on the chopping block should we forget. It's kind of it's kind of fun, kind of like feeling like people think that we're gone and we're dead. We kind of can get into anything. This feels like he's Janet starts like rubbing his hands together. This mm-hmm. is going to be such a good surprise. <laughs> Gable turns to John at, uh have you messaged your family at all? Oh, my family! <laughs> John, it runs out out the door. Well, uh, uh, John, to the paper. As you stand up, like w- when you are struck through with that, I would like you to, you know, I just want, uh, I, I think, for a spend from your uh, intellect, uh, we'll we'll give you that instead of making a check for it. Okay. Uh, pause for character sheets. Yes. While we do that, um, because time has passed, do our, our values refresh? Yes, everything is refreshed. Uh, Fabulous. I was at very low vitality last time. <laughs> you know, I, I maintain the... I think it's the Blades in the Dark that establishes the kind of way to play a character is drive a character like you stole it. Uh, and so I am very liberal with going down to very low health. If it means I get what I want, <laughs> I will probably end up doing that a lot. Uh, oh, yeah. this system like that's is very friendly natural. to that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, go go for it. All I All have right. on here is somehow two points of fate, but it, as if I had have not done anything. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how big of a spend. Just just one, just one point. All right, cool. Jonnet, you feel struck through for a moment. It is one of those things where there is an immediate tightness in your chest, um, mm. as though your entire body is rushing to support your heart, which is now thumping. A cold sweat breaks out over you. You have been so distracted by everything that you are doing, so obsessed with staying alive, protecting your immediate crew, you've done the very thing that Douglas chewed you out over when you first arrived on your family's doorstep. You have forgotten your family once again. And it is not as though you left them in a place that felt immediately safe. You know, Acheron, at least to some degree, was swallowed up 
by the forest. One of the first things that you did when you emerged from that forest was send out a note to one of the few people that you knew you could get a message to. Your sister, Zana. Uh, and it is in this moment that I think your eye briefly flickers open and you can see on one of the shelves, uh, on Oromar's uh, bookshelf, where he keeps his many books on star watching, uh, various tomes of great valuable knowledge, at least to somebody with the interests of Oromar Vale, there is an old leather-bound book uh, that appears to have a strangely smooth and beautiful binding. There is a feather sticking out of that book and that feather like pulses with a faint magical energy are we talking angel feather not angel feather this is clearly a bird feather (laughs) so the the panic the shock the the look around and then and then it's like yeah the the quick flash and john it kind of goes quiet again and he's kind of like why am i focusing on this book and then at this point he knows not to there's a level of like questioning that we don't necessarily have to do with the eye and so he, he reaches up and a what do i notice about the book um so you know and the feather yeah the book first because the feather is lodged in the book this book is familiar to you because it is a book that you and travis cataloged many many months ago actually nearly a year ago at this point longer in time but obviously not perception that you recovered from the civility when the uhuru took it down this book was with the angel feather that you recovered from the civility you remember dreff saying something about it belonging to a member of the church of the slain god and the writing on it definitely looks familiar. You've seen this on many church tomes. This is done in the language of the church, a bastardized version of the language of the angels. There are long, flowing, interconnected lines that have branching off of them symbols and lines that look very similar to long feathers when they are laid out and stacked over one another. This book is old. Despite that, the binding looks fresh, unmarred. It's almost warm to the touch. Inside, you can see that the pages are clearly yellowed, dog-eared, some of them even flaking. Uh, It looks like this book has been through a great deal. And then you see the feather itself lodged in the pages this feather is it must be the feather to some kind of hawk it is a larger feather this isn't belong to a songbird or something of the like and you recognize on it very clearly and very quickly the handwriting uh the handwriting that is very familiar to you handwriting from your sister it just says you're alive you're gonna be in so much trouble Oh, when did that get there? You don't know. You wrote off the message and very shortly after the Saratura was spotted and you went from the Saratura to a not too long journey over to uh, the islands where you mind peaked. A lot 
happened and you didn't exactly know where and how a feather might be returned to you if it was sent. And clearly a feather made its way to the captain's office without your notice. I think Jonnet, uh, takes the, takes the feather and kind of just like turns around 180 degrees and kind of just like holds it out to the group. Kind of like, kind of like pleading eyes of like anybody, anybody. Isn't that uh, one of the feathers that you and your sister got as a gift when you came of age? Yeah. How? <laughs> Jonnet like leans out the end of the hallway, just kind of like holding it out, kind of pleading eyes to no one in the hallway. Like, spit. Did you, did this come through and no one told me? Uh, Spit, who is, I think, furiously making out with just another crew member, um, like both of cool. them freeze and pause and try to briefly pretend that this was a professional interaction that they were having. They're both <laughs> like, make out. one has a mop, one has like a cloth, and they're like pretending to clean. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? What was, uh, I'm, I was just, uh, busy cleaning the ship. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> this feather. You recognize it? <laughs> uh, Spit squints at it. Uh, well, I, I, I can't say that I do. Uh, the captain doesn't like me uh, cleaning the ship in his office because of incidents. So uh, I tend to avoid it when I think mm. I'll be seen. Uh-huh. And, and just so... And- I guess on the visibility side of things, you didn't think you'd be seen doing where I and he, he gestures in the cleaning too. the oh, ship, <laughs> cleaning the ship. I mean, you know, there's a general risk, but let me say, let me tell you this, young and uh, that can make it more exciting. Sometimes, sometimes it's actually better if you can be seen, but it's not a certainty. Okay, spit. Uh, there are degrees spit, of being as, seen as that provide were. different thrills through the <laughs> process. Okay, all right. No, the don't boss? come. Don't come over here. No, you no, no, stay no. as far back as you were. John, it comes back into the end of the room, um, uh, and the rules of this. Uh, <laughs> the, the rules of this feather. Can John whisper another message and then send it back out? Yeah. So this isn't a whispering message and it's not the feathers in particular, though you were gifted some feathers with it. You were essentially imbued with a technique where you can take almost any feather, write a message on it and have it delivered to the person you intend it to be delivered to. Mm. All right. Um, Jonnet flips the feather over to the other side, uh, r- takes out, uh, takes a, a quill and writes out. Hold on like, there. Ah, c- c- come on. N- <laughs> no, I, um, I'm glad that uh, this messaging system is so uh, discreet that uh, you know that you can receive one and it still caught you by surprise. It means it would be unlikely to be easily intercepted, which is important. But ultimately, we must realize that we are currently keeping a low profile. Not to say you shouldn't have told your family your current state of affairs, but updating them could be dangerous. You're going to have to think carefully about what you say. It might be worse. Let's assume 
all correspondence going in and out of the city may be observed. I think that's a safe assumption, yes? Mm-hmm. But if there are any sort of coded messages or ways you know a pathway is available to you, maybe not next necessarily the uh, uh, the feathers, but perhaps if you want to send Douglas a letter from a business associate of his that you've made up in uh, your imagination, that might be worth doing. And, uh, you know, I would love to send a strongly worded letter to uh, one former crewmate of ours who put us in this situation. I would love to send Travis a letter and say, hey, bitch, what's wrong with you? (laughs) 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 But that there are options available to us of varying levels of, uh, you know, stress. Uh, John thinks about it for a second. It's like, I mean, yeah, you're you're right. Um, At at the very least, this is an opportunity for you to try a new name for yourself. Like new, new, so I can't do Joe Nut. Uh, <laughs> I no? suppose if All that's right. something that is currently on the record, uh, patterning it makes me might giggle, be. Though I like it. <laughs> it All is right, rather funny. I agree. Right. The captain does not smile. <laughs> <laughs> do we have a Lancast- Lancaster or Lancaster in this world yet? No, a Lancaster. No, I don't. Know What's that? I don't. Know. The Lancasters, uh, I believe, were involved in the War of the Roses. If I'm yes, not mistaken. it is a, a part of uh, northern England. Pull them out of history. Into- <laughs> <laughs> They're terrified. Oh, we got some roundheads and cavaliers now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, then. Uh, all right. Well, then I'm going to put an in. I'm going to. Ooh, ooh. I'm going to put an order in for uh the Kessler family uh uh Griffin feed and it's gonna be from a a, a Tiago Lancaster. Ah oh. I like it. And and um let's see. Wait. From uh, yeah, I guess there's a world where that's come up and uh I think when when Zana and Jonet were like if they were ever like playing uh pretend like he could he would that would be his like his high status uh name mm-hmm. uh Tiago Lancaster and so Ooh. i'm going to place an order in for what's an absurd amount of uh griffin feet oh mm, i mean uh to suggest the number of uh, birds one ship would contain uh, going above maybe 5 or 6 would be indulgent I- <laughs> What if you placed an absurd order, but only in samples? <laughs> That's funny. Of yeah. Samples. All right, all right. I will take two tons of two hundred yeah. of your finest sample packs, and um, I would like them delivered. And then he puts them down uh, at this location on, and then he puts Zana's birthday. Mm. Oh, mm. ooh! You say that you've used this name Tiago before. Tell me more about them. What are they like? Tiago the Lancaster. Dislikes? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh! He is hot. He is. Uh, his family's from the coastal regions. Oh. Um. He's actually one of the people that. Um. He's a. Uh, uh, <laughs> his family uh, owns a uh, restaurant chain uh-huh. that um is very. F- 
famous for, weirdly enough, their fish. Oh, um, interesting. <laughs> yeah, they found a way to purify their fish, mm-hmm. and he's he he talks like this. Okay, and Janet straightens up his back. He talks like this, and and he he does not he does not take any rabble rousing. I love it. Oh, I love it. I I just love the dreams people make when they're putting on a new personality. It's just the, really getting into the character. I love it. I can never do it, but I love other people's imaginations. Well, Gable, you did mm-hmm. say at one point you went under the alias of Thomas the Terrifier. Yes. When you were that, doing assassin work. That's right. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, my character work was extremely limited. <laughs> you know how sometimes someone brings a part to themselves and they basically only do the same thing over and over, but they're very good at it. That's me. Well, I have played with people like that. Yes. <laughs> there is a variation for the identity of Thomas the Terrifier that uh, you have skipped out on for the last little bit. You only resorted to in certain extreme situations when you didn't want to be identified. Thomas the Terrifier wore an almost featureless copper mask. Oh, See, I do a lot of prop work and costume work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it helps. My, it helps. Mm-hmm. It keeps your hands busy. And really, some people say that the mask acts for you and you're not really using your skills. But I'm just trying to get by, honestly. More than anything, I just want to uh, make sure that if I address you by a name, you'd actually respond and not forget. Not I, to be patronizing. <laughs> I will try so hard. But I hey. cannot guarantee. Hey, hey, you know what? Me too. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Captain, what about you? Captain, what about you? I do believe uh, that I introduced myself uh, in, goodness me, uh, there is a, out of character, there was a record. Uh, t- Tyler did a very good job of recording, like having a transcript of, I think I set the character name as Julian Larbalest, but I'm trying yes. to double check. Okay, sure cool. You, you're cor- you're, you're cor- corroborating. Perfect. Um, <laughs> well, when I was in the tattoo parlor, or I'm also switching vocal register on a dime, I did introduce myself as one Julian Larbalest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do believe I shall be maintaining that through our ruse, if nothing else, because I think naming myself after a type of firearm is very funny. That's very funny. Uh, what are some likes and dislikes? Julian Larbalest's likes and dislikes. Well, um, <laughs> I, I suppose uh, what would be out of character, the, the equivalent of like yachting in the sky, like a sky schooner of some kind. <laughs> there has to be like some kind of like small, like a speedboat, but for the air. Yeah, what it would have to be. Okay, we'll world build this right now. It would basically involve taking a feather weave sail that could be used for, you know, one large ship that could do a lot of commercial work and cutting it down significantly and putting it around a very high um, intensity uh, furnace so that like basically a small patch is sporting an entire tiny ship. So mm. you basically, you wouldn't be able to move cargo. You would be able to move around, but like you'd barely be able to move weapons and whatnot. And like, they're probably max. You can get two or three adult 
people on one of these things. So they only exist for having fun and flying around. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. you, I think, essentially would need to rent the privilege of doing that from a privateer company that has just cut down its sale to hundreds of small ribbons. Mm-hmm. Why, well, yes, I do enjoy the occasional sky yachting during the uh, randomized summers that we have. Mm. Uh, it took quite a lot of organization to make sure that we could uh, do that with the lads, you know, the lads. <laughs> <laughs> lads weekend. Mm, <laughs> lads weekend. Uh, but on the other hand, my dislikes, I... <sighs> I do hate a rainy day and mm. I do hate a cold shower. Yes. You know, <laughs> the, the, the idea of being at, being at an uncomfortable temperature is just abhorrent to me, honestly. <laughs> but say, when was the last time that you had, <laughs> when was the last time that Julian had, was uncomfortable? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, there's been inconveniences in my life, times, jobs, people. <laughs> uh, but ultimately, ultimately, Julian Marvelous knows how to get his man and how to get a warm shower when he needs one. Tremendous, tremendous. This is excellent character work from everyone. I'm very excited. All right, you go, Gable. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm Thomas, and... I like, oh, what's something that a person would like? A <laughs> uh, hot soup. Okay. I like a good, a good, uh, a good sleep. Sleeping is something that I enjoy. I don't commit murder. <laughs> and I love a the when the leaves change okay between all the colors that they do mm. uh is there a particular reason because obviously you have no you're an upstanding member of society thomas yes, so yes. you have no reason for subterfuge okay so what unfortunate thing happened to you to require the mask of bronze okay as a human man which i am i <laughs> Very important. Started wearing the mask after an unfortunate uh, cystic acne is such a problem for <laughs> men of men of my age, right. and uh, I tried various medicines and poultices, and uh, over time I, it has worked. But there's quite a bit of a, uh, I uh, hormonally I get. I break out and I just didn't want to have to worry about it because the makeup irritates the cystic acne. So mm. I just uh, I just decided to wear the mask. Mm-hmm. It's very cooling. This is this is important because now that we set this up, Gable, there may be an opportunity or a time while we're in this masquerade where you're going to have to like, I don't know, demask so I think it's really important that we actually give you acne okay. before this thing. Okay, I, I'll so do So I'm going to go best. get some grease, and I'm going to be back, and we're going to we're going to we're going to lather Please it on your face. Don't grease me! Please don't <laughs> grease me! No, I'm going to grease you up real good. No, it's going to be. <laughs> Jonathan, do not wish to be greased. <laughs>
We'll get. We'll come back to the greasing. Please, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, uh, but okay. that's uh, that's my situation as uh, Thomas, and uh, I'm gonna be honest. We most of the people that I interacted with never really got past into personal <laughs> level stuff, so I never really had to think about it. So this is a good exercise for me. <laughs> of course. Uh, a final thought, Gable. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, um, Oromar goes round, sits on his desk, leans back, boots crossed. On the desk, we see kind of like an echo shot of young Oromar and the Pirates of Penzance's long, shiny boots, it seems. There is a bit of channeling back to his reckless younger days when he's trying to be Julian. That's what he's trying to, like, pull on. God, acting techniques within acting techniques. We are fully putting on the hat here. Um, Meta. Yeah, he he kicks back and he's like, so uh, before a more serious kind of bit of planning, when you are actively killing people as Thomas the Terrifier. Uh, What is your calling card? If you're a hired assassin, people will want to know that you personally did the job. So what's the calling card here? That is a great question. I am trying to... It's been a bit. And I think as I told you towards the end, there was very little killing because I was sort of a part of a war of attrition with a lot of these heads of state. Early on, the calling card was leaving the body to be found, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, this is, this is gonna be gross. This is gonna be yucky. Uh, uh, an eyeball. I used to take just one little, just pop it out. Mm-hmm. It was, and, um, then. Uh, Where did you put them? Well, then what? it, it was placed in a specific part of, whosoever else we were threatening looking at that person like when they w- woke up so it's just like i'm i'm looking at you i Gable. see you i it wasn't my That's idea cold. it wasn't my idea it was part of the, like the roster of services and then it became a trend and became part of fashion they just kept so. ordering the and eyeball kept, treatment uh, the eyeball and i i couldn't turn turn it down the money but it was uh, it's uh, deeply unpleasant for sure we may have so, to bear that in mind uh for when yucky. if you need to kind of highlight yourself is back in business again we may need to think about reliving that old mo thank you for sharing i'll John open it- up the rate card and hope hopefully people there's different fashions now <laughs> Jonet, where is the book that you found that feather in have you been holding it yeah like yeah i need you to make a magic roll okay Hey heroes, it's James, your game master. Glad to check in with you before the holiday. In case you couldn't tell by listening to my voice, I am still sick. I have been sick now for going on seven weeks. It's a problem. It's held up a lot of our production stuff over here at OSN. I don't know when I am going to be releasing Sky Joust. I know it is very soon. It is January at the latest, and I am so sorry that it has taken so long, but it is coming. Thank you for your patience on that. 
But we do have some holiday goodies for you. Over the One Shot, and I think even the Skyjacks feed, we're going to be doing a feed drop next week, uh, which we would normally take off for Christmas. However, I have a new actual play production that's going to be coming out that is not Skyjoust or even Skyjacks related at all uh, that I am very excited about, and I wanted to share a sample with everybody in the audience. Over on Patreon, we're going to be getting new episode of Starwall for the holiday. So that is some love lovely stuff to look forward to. And of course, if you want to support those productions and any other productions happening here on the One Shot Network, you should head over to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and sign up to support us. Uh, you can follow us as a free account. I will be trickling out some goodies for those free accounts. But of course, most benefits start at $5 a month or more, which gets you access to our secret audio archive full of bonus content for things like Skyjacks and original productions like Starwall. I've got lots of cool things headed your way coming in the new year, and I'm so excited to share them. But first, let's get through the rest of this episode. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. And with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. I need you to make a magic roll. Okay. To let you know I this is need... going to be a, a hard check. Um, but your your magic right now is currently at three D eight. What? Five five five. All right, here we go. Mm. Fives all around. Fifteen. All right. That is opportunities. Okay. Opportunities but no successes. What does that mean? So, Jonathan. You have like moved from a space where, you know, you were very panicked. You were scrawling out this this note on, on this feather, trying to strategically avoid tipping off any parties that uh, might be unfriendly uh, to to you, that, that, that the Uhuru is not back in action, but still figure out a way to communicate to your family that you are okay. You, you write this out on the book. You, um, I, I don't know, have you sent off the feather yet or are you just hanging it on to the message? Uh, yeah, we're, we, he's still got the feather in okay. hand. He's got his, uh, he's got his, uh, sample order, uh, 200 sample packs of the barbecue blasted, um, sure. Sure. Um, yes, but he hasn't sent it off yet. So yeah, I, I rolled against you. You got three failures on this versus your three opportunities that you rolled. So you have like since moved like your writing implement and everything to the, the hand that is holding the book. And as your crew around you is right now like theorizing, trying to get into character, trying to absorb themselves in the identities that are going to keep your ship safe through this. Uh, your other hand is fidgeting. I think your eye feels itchy for a second, but like, may, uh. you know, you might rub it and dismiss it and you keep fidgeting until you have found a heavy knife, a cleaver, actually, uh, the cleaver that Oromar recovered from the Saratura. And that has become the, the object that your fidgeting fixates on. And you begin tossing it kind of like casually. You know, I, I think Jonnet is especially being somebody who works with the Kusari Gama as, as his like primary weapon now. You're somebody who is used to doing tricks and whatnot. And this blade 
does feel pretty well weighted um, and pretty natural in your hand. And the tricks start to come very easy with it. It is, uh, what it was going to try to do was nick you and just get a drop of your blood. But I don't, The cleaver? The cleaver. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I don't think it's going to accomplish that. Instead, I think this knife just ends up on your hip. You fidget with it to the point where, you know, you're used to just stashing your kusarigama when you are done fidgeting and you walk about with it. You have plenty of places where you could hook this knife onto your belt just so absentmindedly. The weight of it is almost entirely not noticeable to you. It's like you didn't grab it from the shelf. You just grabbed it from your own hip, played with it for a second, and then put it back on your hip. I mean, is this something that... Okay. I think the the itching of the eye, like I think if throughout the fidgeting, I think it's like the itching of the eye that Jonnet notices first. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, it's like, oh man, like I actually rarely ever have this sensation this far up my forehead. And then I think in doing that, he goes to like scratch his eye mm-hmm. and then he realizes that the hand that he's holding the hand of these like using to like rub his eye also has the cleaver in it so and... i'll have to stop you there because Yo. the role was for you noticing that this has happened uh, oh that no. is the part you have failed you did get a gotcha. bunch of opportunities and what the opportunities have accomplished for you is it didn't bite you it didn't get you. It okay. is just close to you. Okay. Imagine this right, cleaver <laughs> like a flea carrying the mm-hmm. bubonic plague. It didn't bite John. It, it didn't infect him, but uh, it is taking a ride on him right now. Enjoy your cursed I, item. <laughs> great. Have fun. I love this. And I think it's got, it gets to a point later in the conversation where it starts with like jo- the back of Jonnet's hand rubbing his eye. By the end of this conversation, Jonnet will be rubbing his eye with the back of the cleaver. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's not going to get him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so I, all right. So I don't, That's I don't notice anything. Just and... something that happened to you. <laughs> okay. I guess we notice, but I don't think. Do we? Well, if we're all you in the same not. room I, currently. But, uh, you were all, like, through that scene, you were mm. all having the conversation that you just and had. And it was just naturally happening in the background while I'm talking to uh, Thomas. Yes. Gotcha. How often does Oromar comment on the way Gable prepares tea or mm-hmm, the way mm-hmm. Jonnet, uh, you know, moves about the compasses and globes in this office? As not very easy often. as breathing, of course. Uh, so, yes, continuing to reclaim. Aside uh, from your previous MO, um, what I did want to talk about are two things that I think we definitely need to do here. Uh, as I recall, this uh, location is particularly notable for its uh, pigments, Sorizand has two in particular. One, the uh, red crimson that the red feathers use. Uh, we're definitely going to have to make use of that to go and uh, secure enough plausible coats for all who'd want to be attending the uh, masquerade ball. After all, I have my own, uh, but we will need to kit out everybody who is attending. Um, Fine ones for people who will be up close, but if the ship is seen at a distance, people at least need to be in the right hue, if you understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
the other major dye that they produce uh, is from clay, as I understand, a much more muted color, but definitely one that is not our standard fare for what the Uhuru looks like. And we could do with a bit of repainting if we don't want people to recognize our ship on site. Mm. I would worry about people recognizing the, uh, I guess, Flagstaff statue, but that's not been especially an issue for a while. <laughs> the color that Oromar is referring to is Solo Tristeza, a type of periwinkle blue that is common to this region and extremely affordable. It is kind of a popular uh, paint for ships, uh, it being a mineral-based pigment that is just like super, super cheap because it is almost produced through waste products. Uh, it is something that exists after clay from this area has been dug up and fired uh, and then ground down into a fine powder. Um, so that should be a, a relatively affordable way to repaint the ship. Uh, not that you're hurting for money, especially, but mm. it would be a color that would not be noticed by uh, many ports that you go through because it's so affordable. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my question becomes how are we trying to just like, are we just trying to paint the ship, have the ship look just like any other ship or are we trying to go like the exact opposite direction just make it like look dingy and grimy because my thought is if it's it's the latter we let the orphans paint the ship <laughs> uh that might be let a reasonable way it. to keep them entertained to be honest right yeah ship, the ship is big they're small it's gonna take a while they'll be busy <laughs> mm. I think us looking too shabby, we may need to make some changes before the ball itself showing up in a shabby ship would probably give the game away. Yeah. But we can always obtain a new ship uh, temporarily for the heist itself. Speaking of heists, I don't know too much about how the dying process here works, but I assume if we find some way of being able to get access to uh, the dye storage, we may be able to go and bring in the clothes that we need to dye, get them dyed and leave, is the uh, current where my plan is sitting, but we may need to do some scouting to find the specifics. In the meantime, I do... One of the things I suggest we do is if Jonnet needs to send a letter and I need to send a very mean letter to Travis, in the meantime, I could start doing my correspondence to see just who is still around, who is still alive amongst my contacts in the in the syndicate mm. and, you know, through the back channels, of course. And doing that now, we can... Uh, more accurately we don't want to just come to the ball and start saying names of people who have passed away that'll give us up quite easily so mm -hmm. if there is a reference desk in town that might be an oh. excellent place to go i would check first to see what sort of secrets we're willing to give in that vein uh but once we get there that might be an easy thing second of all just a little bit of business wendell has got to go we'll have him travel under a pseudonym so it's not obvious that it's him, but my guy is so frustrated right now. And the sooner we can send him off Bon Voyage, the better, honestly. So whatever we need to need to do to get him away from that, that's uh, that probably one fair. of my primary considerations. Mm. I wonder what non-air transport is available at this part of the world. 
he might have to be traveling for a while to get to uh, a recognizable piece of civilization for him. I can ask if he wants to stick around. It would shock me if that was the case. If no, there was an escape I, route. I definitely um, appreciate your sense of judgment in this matter. I think you know him as a person better than I do at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let him go. Let him go. <laughs> <laughs> Not... No, he's such a good friend. He's such a dear friend. My man has been such a downer for so long. <laughs> I, I, just any change in scenery is going to be so much better for him than just. Oh, that he's got two birds in the beard now. Just let let him go. Yeah, we're going to do our yeah. best. So I can do a little <laughs> side quest for, on that one, but just we got to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Arma leans back and glances out of the window. I hope his wife waited for him. Ooh, come on, the cat! Why you gotta? Why you gotta bring that into the? It wasn't a question before. Now I want to know. <laughs> See, these are the sorts of conversations that we've been desperately trying not to have with him for weeks now. Yes, I can understand why we, he would want to be on leave. It's just a shame. I'm sure he would enjoy the. Um, soiree we have in mind in the future but i think at least in his instance family should come first who knows honestly i i've not spoken to the fella but i i don't know that it's just it's like a ghost walking through the halls if if a ghost were extremely solid and cried real loud those are the worst ghosts (laughs) yeah it's very forward crying (laughs) (laughs) All right. Then. So, so it sounds to me like there needs to be some. You, you want to do some fact finding about mm-hmm. the current uh, Red Feather Syndicate uh, and an information desk is is kind of what you're looking for to do that, or an agent of the information desk. Um, you need to figure out a way to disguise the ship. So uh, I'm I'm assuming right now the ship is parked on its own outside of town somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. And that the only people who have gone into town were really Gable, Oromar, and Jonnet to get tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonnet, specifically, where's your tattoo at? Uh, we haven't investigated that yet, and I do want to make sure that that gets brought into this. Um, I... Think about what Jonnet got and where it is. Oh, that's right. That's right. You mentioned like, like a uh, feathers yeah. or something. Yeah. The, wind the wind or something. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sick. Never mind. Uh, so yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we do know that. Um, it seems like, yeah, we want to know. And for that, you need to procure to, to disguise your ship. You need to procure pigments. You need to get enough paint to repaint the Uhuru and any major identifying details for it. Uh, you also want to get your hands on Syndicate Red in order to dye a bunch of clothes so that you'll be able to outfit the whole crew to participate in uh, this infiltration that you're going to pull off, which mm-hmm. is good and, and makes sense to me. So it seems like some of you need to go into town. You also need to figure out uh, a way, if you're going to send Wendell off, how you're going to send Wendell off. So that there are a couple scenes there's figuring out how to purchase dye and whatnot there is going to an information desk or figuring out some other way to get information in this town and there is talking to wendell so what do you want to do Mm. 
yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm happy to hit the streets in terms of uh, uh, walking around town like a tourist and kind of establishing that kind of energy because then I think that's a reasonable way to ask about transport away from the region. You know, I want to go and see the sights in the next city over. How would I get there? Kind of questions. <laughs> um, and, it, you know, being able to do a bit of surface casing the joint of what this town is like before we get to the nitty gritty. Excellent. Then I think we cut to Sorrow's End. Sorrow's End is a a strangely beautiful place. There is a lot of color here. The buildings are done with stucco, um, piled up around wood logs uh, and smoothed. It dries to this beautiful periwinkle color. Um, that in turn has been decorated with red and brown tile work uh, around many different buildings. Some of these look very hastily constructed, but the colors involved in their construction make them very attractive. Uh, the town itself is set up with cobblestone. It resembles a lot of the towns and places in terms of city planning that you would recognize in the mainland, particularly closer to Aram. Uh, the streets, uh, like the stones in the streets, are very rough. They, they are not rounded and worn down. Uh, it makes you like understand very quickly that this town can't be older than a few decades. Uh, mm. The Red Feather influence here has not been set up long. Everything around here does look new. There is a smell that pervades this place, a very strong scent. Many of the buildings around you are clearly factories of some kind. Uh, they have smokestacks coming out of them. There are plumes of uh, both... Uh, smoke from from coal or or peat or or, or some other burnable substance and uh, steam. Uh, there are clearly very large industrial operations uh, moving around those places and moving in and out of those buildings. You can see people who are dressed in flowing garments that appear to be tightly bound about the wrists, the waist, and the ankles. Um, Everyone here appears to have gloves. Most of the workers are wearing some kind of mask, uh, and many of them even have goggles. Uh, each of them have, like, stains on their clothing. Uh, there is... A, there, there appears to be like a lot of powder uh, and red, reddish browns that like pervade the colors around them, uh, just like from dirty work clothes. You don't see many, but you do see a few people who are not in the factories right now walking around town. Mm. Uh, they are dressed uh, in a similar fashion. It is but a more dressed up version of it. They clearly still have the flowing clothing, the garments that like really are only cinched at, at the wrists and uh, ankles and waist. Uh, and over that, they are wearing coats uh, that are very well decorated. They too also have masks, mostly drawn over the nose and mouth. These masks are dyed, some are embroidered, uh, some are beaded. They are decorated in different ways. But 
walking around as Uhuru pirates uh, with lighter clothing that is covered by jackets and odd bits and ends to deal with the weather makes you feel like you stand out. Mm-hmm. There is very little exposed skin in many of the streets and thoroughfares around here. Uh, this town looks like it supports a population of probably over a thousand people. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of buildings for factories. There are some tenements thrown up where people have clearly dormitory or apartment style living. Uh, and there are also buildings that whether they are civic buildings or red feather owned buildings is harder to say. Most of the red feather owned buildings do have a tile work display of the logo for the red feather syndicate on them, mm. but they're, they appear to most towns that you know of are towns that have been taken over by the Red Feather Syndicate, where mm-hmm. there would be a city hall or civic office that the Red Feather Syndicate interacts with and has their own buildings near. But this is a town entirely fabricated by the syndicate itself. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit strange to only see Red Feather factories, Red Feather offices. Uh, and a few like common establishments. There do appear to be some pubs and whatnot. There are uh, some other, again, more hastily constructed buildings. Mm-hmm. Then we get to the stonework buildings, buildings with clearly imported marble. And chief among them is a cathedral, a grand cathedral marked with the bleeding eye of the Church of the Slain God. There are also tenements uh, that pop up around the church buildings. These, too, have the Gothic hallmarks of church construction on them. And branching off of the cathedral, there is something of a sprawling building that also has its own ventilation built of it uh, above it that you can see in the cold crisp air of early morning steam is flowing out of it it's odd you've never seen a construction like this anywhere on any church building but apart from that this is a well populated town and although a good portion of that population appears to be hard at work today mm. it's a pretty place to stroll around even if you feel out of place immediately entering it. What's the street level security looking like? Because this is a, it's very interesting that it's a red feather, like built town. It, it makes me think of like when tech companies or media companies have a full campus that's essentially built mm-hmm. and run by yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then it's like, well, if you're only ever expecting employees or people who operate within this network to exist here, how do you keep that safe? Do you care as much? You but do look for, for red feather security. Where where, mm. where a pirate sees red feathers, a pirate mm. looks for red feather soldiers. And you do see some. Like there is clearly a presence of red feather authority here. Um, but there is a way that a red feather soldier looks in a town where they expect pushback. I don't want to imply that Red Feathers have a level of readiness 
I think there is a mask of cruelty that the soldiers wear on their face in places where they expect to have to put down resistance to red feather rule. Mm -hmm. You don't see those soldiers here. You're more likely to see talking and laughing. Outside the factories, you do see Red Feather guards posted up, but they are uh, smoking pipes and whatnot with factory workers who are clearly on breaks. Some of them are playing Illimat with people who are moving in and around the factories. You even, if you take time to look into the taverns and whatnot, you see that there are Red Feathers posted up at tables of uh, basically interacting with factory workers. Mm. So the vibe here is a little different than it might be in, say, Aurum or Bujanith or uh, I'm trying to think of like a heavily, I don't think you've been in a heavily red feather controlled city yet. So you, uh, Dominion was a little bit more independent of red feathers, but there were still presences there. Mm -hmm. And those red feather strongholds were on higher alert. And these are not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Good to know. Maybe it means, well, loose lips sink ships. So if the, the red feathers around here are relatively uh, relaxed and chatty, we can definitely play that to our advantage. There's a glance to Thomas and uh, Tiago. We may have to um, buy some new clothes for the weather. It's frightfully cold here. At least for now, appearing as friendly tourists, I think, is to our benefit. But if we do dress as the locals, it might actually be relatively difficult for us to be noticed. I'll go shopping. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We return to a fine campaign podcast tradition and we go <laughs> shopping. Scotty Jackson. Well, uh, thank you for uh, everybody for coming to uh, this this captain's quarters meeting. Uh, aye, but, aye. Uh, I, I have noticed that uh, our revenues are down. So uh, despite the gold bars and stuff that we have in the hold, so I needed to add a sponsored segment uh, to this meeting. Oh. So uh, this captain's meeting has been brought to you uh, by the D-Luminaries. Oh, okay. Amazing. Uh, let me pick up the copy here and just read this. Oh, it says they want us to personalize it. That's nice. Yeah. The Deluminaries? Have you ever... That's written down here. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. Oh, yeah. Deluminaries, comma, have you ever, comma, Okay, <laughs> da, da, da. And now it begins again. Have you ever been dissatisfied with the godlike beings existing in the world of Shreer. I, I think yeah. so. I would say so. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. there's been a friction a little bit. Have you ever felt that the bargains you strike somehow either never come to fruition or are somewhat unfair? I would say absolutely. Yeah. I too have met the Forest Queen before, yes. <laughs> 
Are you interested in being a trailblazer in the world of deification? Well, now I mean, this we're just feels a trailblazer like in, in the world of everything else. Then you will enjoy the D-Luminaries. And now we're supposed to play with the product, discuss the product, it says. Yeah, we, we've prepared an, an, an unboxing mm-hmm. uh, for this. They, they put it inside many boxes simultaneously, uh, <laughs> almost in a Matroska like setup so really it's going to take a while but please do bear with uh, let's see here we've got the meat person uh and this appears to be a, a, a jovial looking fellow who's holding a human foot in his hand uh, oh now now it does say that this stands for for dread and violence very much like a mm-hmm. similar godlike figures that we've come to know and love but it says here he's also really into feet so that speaks to <laughs> okay. someone like me okay and in some circles absolutely yeah they've, they've definitely spent their time doing a uh, marketing re- research i guess with the, these new deluminaries everybody deluminates uh let's see uh we have here the desert prince um Ooh. Ooh. yeah 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 uh entirely made it like a, a very uh, uh cacti silhouetted uh individual mm. uh it says here that it's dodgy dealings uh-huh. uh digging incredibly large holes Ooh, i like okay. that sure and casinos apparently uh, <laughs> oh, so. oh 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 okay. yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. was thinking we needed something for that yeah. i love it nice we got uh oh I, i've got a card here it says oh i pulled the dude it's just uh well it's just a a shirtless guy with uh-huh. a bucket hat and vans on the beach. Uh, cool it guy. stands for, yeah, cool guy, chill vibes, mellow tunes, uh, no combat, but um, we'll take up about three hours of time. The dude. Hey, sure. okay. right, Sometimes right. again. Sometimes uh, great, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, okay, I I don't know if this is one-to-one for, you know, our personal luminaries. I assume this is to be, this wants to be a replacement for the changeling. Uh, This just says the big asshole. Uh, (laughs) uh, For jerks, people who leave and die, uh, and individuals who are just a, a man and don't turn into anything else. The big ass. Oh, yeah. One of the minor themes is punchable faces and strangleable voices. Right. I, uh, who, 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 uh, I'm, I'm flecking through the copy here. Who sent us this, by the way? I, I really should take advertising sponsorships with people I know and trust, but you also probably, yeah, we're desperate, for desperate measures. You want to stay on the cutting edge of the uh, yeah. captain's quarter meeting industry, you know? So, uh, you know, not, not every, not every captain's meeting can be sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends. So, uh, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> yeah. Well, well uh, it appears to be, uh, Heath Raker. Right, right. Uh, okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Created the Cont- D-Luminaries. Ex- expand on that? Well, he's from a family of uh, people who rake leaves as their only job, and he, he took some of his idle time as really only rake leaves uh, when it's autumn, uh, and that only happens a dozen or so times a year, so you can't always be raking leaves. No. Uh, and he turned his, his eye towards game design. <laughs> 
And you're also reading the copy. I'm reading the copy. That's the story of of Heath Raker. About the author. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got to respect a creative who finds time in their work day to pursue other endeavors. That's hard. to stay on that grind, on that hustle. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you're interested in the uh, D-Luminaries and the wide variety of characters we have in them, uh, if you use sponsor code Oromar, uh <laughs> when you go to your local courier service to place your order for the D-Luminaries, you also get a free T-shirt, which I have here with me. That is a ill-fitting T-shirt. XL only. <laughs> it's free though, so... You know, you can't, uh, can't complain. One side is longer than the other, though. It feels like it's just incomplete. <laughs> you get what you get, and you don't get the regular Mad. luminaries. You get the oh. deluminaries specifically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. considering the exclusive item, you know, when people, uh, when you, when you're wearing that to your local uh, ale house. And people are, ah, you're in the attire of the D-Luminaries. Uh, why don't we uh, play a game of Sikimat, uh together and we'll be able to... Uh... Weirdly enough, that game also has a harmonic convergence. <laughs> yeah, sure. here's, here's an interesting thing. Uh, it appears to be based on the music of the Septemberists. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a fun little connection for, for folks who are into indie rock. Right, right. <laughs> Captain, um... This is a great idea. I think we're going to sell. These things are going to be flying off the shelf. How how in debt are you? Because we have so yeah, much yeah, money yeah. that I don't even know that we sh- you should never have to take on a sponsor. What's really what's going on? That. What's the situation? Well, um, so you know how uh, I have my signature uh, captain's coat from a red feathers in the exclusive die and all that, yes, and yes, then uh-huh. we get into yep. a and then we get into a fight. And mm-hmm. I uh, get a large amount of blood and gunpowder on it and mm-hmm. everything. And it doesn't yeah. clean out. Okay. These things don't dry uh-huh. clean very well. So I kind of have to get a new one every time. And I'm kind what? of on my... These um, are single-use coats? That uh, you simply mustn't. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, and it's... It's such a sensitive fabric. Uh, actually, like, it, he does have to replace it every scene. Every scene that we shoot, <laughs> it's a new Tremendously coat. wasteful. Yeah. <laughs> Some people are sneakerheads. Some people buy a bunch <laughs> of watches. And I, uh, and I happen to have a lot of this one coat for, but, you know, but uh, continuity reasons. Sneakerheads don't throw away the shoes after they wear them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If anything, them. they work harder to preserve the shoes for Gable, longer. I'm, I'm going to slow you down there. Imagine if Oromar had retained every single one of these coats. We'd never have any closet space. But then you keep Wait a minute. Coat. We don't have any closet space right now. Wait. John walks over to a closet, opens it. Coats, 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 coats fall out. You know, I buy them in bulk. I got to deal with the Swiftwells. They they sort me out. What? Let me peel down this wallpaper. Oh my god! The entire <laughs> ship is stuffed with coats. They're also oh an excellent god. insulator. What can I say? Uh, they're they're multi-purpose. Although I can't the, really the wear the support ones, beams. Though, they're just they're just tightly compressed coats. These these could come over, fall over at a moment's notice. It's, oh my god! The let, sails are made of denim. Let me shake one of the orphans. Oh no! They're just coats. <laughs> it's coats. It's all coats. It's coats all the way Spons- down. Spons- sponsor code Oromar for your free T-shirt. Maybe Maybe we'll throw some coats in as well. We're we drowning need to in the coats. Coats! Go! Oh. <laughs> 
Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Hey heroes, it's James here. It's time for you to grab a bird, a saddle, and a lance. Because we've got new episodes of Sky Joust coming at you next week. Sky Joust is the One Shot Network's competitive sports drama actual play. Inspired by your favorite sports animes and set in Skyjack's world of sphere. Follow four different adolescent jousting teams as they battle their way through the quarterfinals, eventually to face each other in head-to-head PvP matches. It's competitive because we have four different teams of protagonists, and everybody's got a reason to win. But there's only one championship spot, and the game decides who takes the crown. Watch your favorite performers from around the one-shot network and world of actual play in some intense and hilarious moments. You can listen to Sky Joust right now by heading over to your favorite podcast app and search for Sky Joust, S-K-Y-J-O-U-S-T, with two exclamation points. If you first checked out Sky Joust when it was on the Skyjacks feed, we are finally airing brand new episodes, so it's the perfect time to jump in. We'll catch you in the lists, heroes. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Tyler is on strike alongside his fellow members of the WGA and SAG-AFTRA. You can support Tyler and other striking artists by contributing to the Entertainment Community Fund, linked in our show notes. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at LizAnderson underscore 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 or on her podcast, Paired. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at PhantomArtsENT, or streaming at twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him over on Twitter at Arnie Parrot or on his website, ATP Tunes. This episode was edited by Allie Grauer, who can be found on Twitter at Dreams to Become, or on her podcast, Skyjack's Courier's Call. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Lunarum. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show was made in part by using a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals. There are no kings. Take flight. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends near the rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind Who know we can never deny The call of the sky